Thank you for tuning into this week's message from Freedom Church CO in Woodland Park, Colorado. If you want to know more about us, you can visit freedomchurchco.com or follow us on social media at Freedom Church CO. When I was a second year Bible college student, um, we all had to take a mission, an overseas missions trip, okay? And so, oh, thank you. We had to take this overseas missions trip. There was no way of getting out of it. I didn't like to fly. I didn't ever want to leave the country. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this because it's part of graduating. Because basically, you don't graduate if you don't go on your missions trip. And the reason I, it's not that I had a rotten attitude, okay? So let me explain just a little bit. I, it was more of a, look, I know I'm not called to overseas missions. So like, do I really have to do this? So it wasn't that I was just being like a baby about it. I went to Mexico um, when I was a teenager with a youth group. I was like a mama hen over these teenagers and stuff. And, and uh, I think I was 19. And so these kids were like 12, 11, 13, and 14. So I felt like a mama. Thank you, Chan, whoever brought my stuff. But anyway, um, so we were supposed to go on this missions trip. And oh, so I went. And during that time in Mexico, so now I know, Elijah, why Everybody asks for these monitors beyond because everything just kind of bounces back at you. So if I could get a little bit of my, my um, mic in these, that would help me a bunch. Thank you. So, uh, so I went in, when I was 19 to Mexico and like prayed, fasted, sought the Lord was, you know, at that point in my life, I was literally like, my life is yours, God. I'll do anything, go anywhere, whatever you say. And I was asking him, am I called to missions? Because I'll do it. I'll, you know, whatever you tell me. I'll go anywhere, be in a country or the jungle that I've never been to. I was willing to do anything. And he clearly spoke to my heart in Mexico that, I, that that was not my calling, like, you know, my destiny, if you will, or assignment was to be overseas missionary. So that's where I was like kind of, having a little bit of a pity party and like, I don't want to go to Costa Rica. I know Costa Rica sounds like a vacation spot, right? Well, no, they throw you in the jungle of Costa Rica. So I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. And I had this underlying, like it wasn't like a phobia or anything, but I did not enjoy flying. Anytime there was the slightest turbulence or anything, you can ask my husband, my claws were like in his poor little hand. And so um, I knew this was the long, the longest flight I would have ever been on was five and a half hours. So, so the day that we're supposed to pack our bags, load up and go to uh, the Denver airport, I was at the, no, was it that day or the day before that I was at the gym and I called you because I couldn't breathe the day before? So the day before I was at the gym running on the treadmill and everything, and I was thinking, I, something's up, like I'm not feeling myself. And literally I started to have, okay, I'd never experienced this before, didn't understand it, but someone had to tell me what it was that I was physically and emotionally experiencing, which was called a panic attack or an anxiety attack because I couldn't breathe. My heart started racing. Like it was, I felt like I was gonna die or pass out and I couldn't grasp, like get myself together. And it felt completely outside of my control. So I was just like, this is crazy. I felt like a crazy person. But so literally Joe took me to the doctor cause I couldn't even explain to him what was happening. I'm just like, I can't breathe. I feel like I'm gonna pass out. 
So he took me to the doctor. They put all these things, tested everything, and they're like, are you stressed about anything? Because <laughs> they couldn't find a thing. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm going on this mission trip to Costa Rica. I don't want to fly. And they're like, let me tell you what happened. So that's what happened. So then I was like, okay, this is baloney. I'm not going to, you know, start dealing with something weird like this. So we prayed. I called a few other people that I know and love, my spiritual parents, Mike and Bobby. And I'm like, this is what happened. I need y'all to pray. So the day of gets there. And I, we pull up to the parking lot at, at the Bible College. I have got my suitcase. I'm rolling into the place where everybody's congregating to get on this, in this 15-seat passenger van to head to Denver. <laughs> and, and Michelle, who's over the whole missions team, she was like, hi, Tessa, how are you doing? And she said, literally, now I literally don't remember this because I think I was half out of my mind. But she said that I like snapped at her and was like, I'm not good, you know, or whatever. And she's like, whoa. And she's like, that's not Tessa. She's usually joyful and happy and all this stuff. And so, um, so I was literally like, um, I don't know if I can do this. I walked straight up to her and I'm like, I don't know what's going on on the inside of me. I don't know what's happening, but I don't think I can do this. And she looked at me and she literally, so this is what I'm, I'm talking about, the family of God, the body of Christ. So she literally grabbed me and just pulled me in close and held me. And I could physically feel the peace of God that started to just flow through my being. Like literally tangible peace. It almost felt like honey or something. I don't know how to explain it when she was holding me. And then the moment she'd let go, I would be like crazy person again. And so I was just like, can you hold me? So like, so she did, she like brought me in close a couple different times and she prayed over me and everything. And I was like, all right, I got this. I got this. I'm going to do this. And I walked over to Joe and I'm like, I'm going to do this. He's like, babe, are you sure? <laughs> because you can figure this out on a different flight. Not one that's like five and a half hours. That's how, whenever I talk like Joe, that's how I do his voice. Cause babe, you can figure this out a different way. If you don't want to do it, no, nobody's telling you have to get on that plane. And I was like, I know, babe, this is what I said to him. I said, but here's the thing. I feel like if I don't face this now and win the victory over it, the enemy's just going to bring me right back here over and over again until I finally face it. And I said, I can't let the enemy win. That was just this bulldog on the inside of me that was like, no way, you know, can't be, I can't give into this. And he was like, all right, well, you can do this, you know. So we uh, put all our luggage in the, it was like a, I don't know what you call those things, the, the huge bus, you know, they take all the luggage. I'm getting into this 15 seat passenger van. And somehow, again, I don't remember all the details because I was half out of it. I'm the last one to get in the 15 seat passenger van. So they put me clear in the back, like the very back of the van. So I'm crawling through people to get back there. I literally, my rear never hit the seat. I was kind of like, whoop, nope. And I, boom, I like beelined it out of that van, took a few heads off while at the same time to get out of that van. I physically could not sit in the, I'm, I don't have claustrophobia. I don't have, like, again, never have ever experienced anything like this in my life before. I could not get in that van. So I ran back out and I'm like, Michelle, I don't know what's happening, but I can't get in the van. <laughs> I can't do it. She's like, okay. 
well, what are you going to do? So I called Joe. He, he was halfway home, I think. And I called him. I'm like, babe, I think if you take me to the airport and I don't get in this van, I think I can at least get there. He's like, okay. So he turns around. I'm like, Michelle, I know it's against all the rules. She was like, I can't do that. I'm like, you got to let me do it. Like, Michelle, sorry if you're watching. I'm not, am I getting you fired? But anyway, so that was like 2013. We're fine. So anyway, so, so he turns around, he comes and gets me. I get in the car with him and um, I'm, we're following the whole entourage to Denver, just Joe and I, and it's snowing and I'm even freaked out a little bit about that because I got to get on this plane and it's icy and snowy and all this, you know? So we're in the car and we're praying and I'm calling people. I need you to pray. So the body, I'm calling people. I need you to pray for me. I don't know what's going on, you know? And uh, so we get to Denver and uh, I give Joe a big old, hug and kiss. And I'm like, I got this. He's like, babe, are you sure? No, but I'm going. <laughs> Literally. So um, we get checked in, all that. There's like, oh gosh, it felt like an eternity. It was probably an hour, you know, 45 minute something, you know, wait to, to get on that plane. So we all get on the plane. And um, I remember I think the first thing that happened was we go back to where my seat is. And I don't know if you guys know, any of you know Kaysen Cruz. And then there was somebody else. So Kaysen was uh, a graduate also of the college. And he also was a worship leader that I co-led worship with and stuff at uh, Pastor Lawson's church in Colorado Springs for a few years. So he's like a little brother to me. So he's sitting right beside me. And I literally cannot sit in the chair. Now, I know I'm telling this story to all of you guys, and y'all are looking at me like, crazy lady. But I bet there's somebody or somebodies in this room that has experienced something like this before. So don't look at me that way. So anyway, so I cannot sit down in that airplane seat. I mean, as much as I'm trying to, I'm standing there. And so finally, you know, I think some of the, um, what do you call it, stewardesses were walking by and there's my eyes, I guess they said were just these as big as saucers. Like I was just standing there like a crazy woman. <laughs> and so the stewardesses are walking by like, honey, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. You're going to have to sit down, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, I got you. But I mean, are, like, are we taking off yet or anything? No, but I'm just telling you when this plane thing starts, you're going to have to sit down. I'm just like, okay. So finally, it came down to it. One of the stewardesses came over to me. She kind of squatted down, and she was super sweet. I have another story about her, too. She squats down, and she's like, now, honey, this is your last chance. We are going to shut that door. And when this thing starts going down the runway, you're going on this flight. <laughs> how sweet she was talking to me. I was like, okay, I got this. I sat down. My legs were shaking so bad. My, like they were popping up off the floor, like just shake, 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 shake. Like I can't even, it was crazy. I'm like, I don't, I can't control my legs. This is crazy. Just, I guess it was fear. I don't know. So I'm sitting there, but like I'm shaking weirdly and embarrassingly. Okay. Everyone on the plane is like crazy woman. So they start taking off down the runway. I, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating. As soon as the plane like 
took off down the runway, I unlocked my uh, seatbelt, ran to the back of the plane. <laughs> like full sprint. <laughs> Can you, you know how crazy I look, Brie. Okay, stop laughing. So I ran to the back of the plane and I'm like, oh God, and I'm like on the floor. And the stewardess is like, now honey, everything's all right. I got you, I got you. This lady was like from Texas. She had hair this big, fake eyelashes flapping around. Like this woman was amazing, skinny and wiry. God knew exactly what I needed. So I'm in the back of the plane with this woman and she's like, I got you, hold on, honey, hold on. She goes and grabs her purse. She's like, I know I got something in here for you. She starts going through her purse, literally. I have no idea what she's doing. I'm just like trying to not die, okay? So she pulls out, I kid you not, fake eyelash. She's like, no, these fake, oh, that's not gonna help her. So she's still digging through. So finally, she's just trying to distract me. I know what this lady's trying to do. She's just trying to distract me. So finally, she goes and gets a wet cloth. Now here's the other funny thing. So at that point, I'm thinking, that's it. This is my, I'm, my life is flashing before my eyes. I'm about to die. She says, she goes and gets a wet cloth to like put on my forehead. I am praying in tongues as loud. I mean, they could hear me all the way up. Like I am praying in tongues so loud because it's the only thing I knew to do to like keep my sanity. I just thought I'm losing it here and I'm going to pass out and die on this plane and I'll never see my husband again. So I'm like, I can't die. I just don't die. So I'm praying in tongues. She's got the cloth. She probably thinks I'm speaking some foreign language. I guarantee it. Like I'm from some other country or whatever. So she puts this cloth on my head. She lets me sit on the floor in the back of the plane with her. I kid you not, I love this woman. If I could ever go find her, save my life. Not my pride, just my life. So I'm sitting on the floor. She puts the cloth on my forehead, wet cloth. And I'm finally like calming a little bit down. And all I can think of, you know, she's like, okay, now, honey, I love you, but you're gonna have to go sit in your seat. I can't let you stay back here this whole flight. So she walks me to my seat, and all I can hear is that Nacho Libre movie where Nacho's taking the kids, you know, to see the town, and that there's a crazy lady. That's, that was me. Like, literally everyone, eyes on me, and there's nothing I can do. So I sit down, and... Uh, Again, my legs are shaking profusely. Now here's the good part. And this is why I'm talking about how God set up and designed the body of Christ to function. So I sit down and Kaysen looks over at me and he says, Tessa, and he points his finger at me. And he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear but he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I don't know how else to explain it. It was kind of like when Michelle hugged me and the peace of God was tangible. He was speaking the word to me and over me and physically I could feel the power in the words that he was speaking. The Bible says his words are spirit and they are life. 
Like literally, it was like he was breathing life into me. And it started calming my nerves and calming that anxiety and calming just everything within my being. So he just kept speaking to me. And I finally, I turned my head because I was looking at him and I turned my head and I bowed my head and I just closed my eyes. And as he was speaking the word to me, I closed my eyes and I literally, with the deepest part of my heart, I said, Father, I don't understand. Just inside, I spoke it inside. And he says, I know, baby, but we're gonna go through this together and you're gonna win. That's all he said to me. We're gonna go through this together and you're gonna win. And it's like my whole, all my, the muscles and the nerves and my body and everything just were at peace. I stopped shaking and I sat there and I just, for a little bit, I just kept my eyes closed and just tuned in to his voice and his presence. Probably for the first time. Had I done that like an hour ago, no one would have thought I was crazy. But I did it for the first time. And I just closed my eyes and, and listened for the, his word, like Joe was saying, his promises. And then I could open my eyes and look around and I was like, everything's okay. I'm okay. And I learned a major, major lesson. Oh, and here's the other cool thing as far as a testimony of just um, how God uses his family, his children in our lives in so many different ways. It'd be so easy for all of us to take it for granted. You know, the people that God has ordained and the relationships he's brought into our lives. I'm telling you guys, they're a gift, a gift from God to us. And the Lord taught me that truth and that scripture, how that in the body of Christ, we're all different, but that each one of us, every joint supplies, I believe it says in Ephesians, every joint supplies. And what he taught me is that wherever we're at in our walk, in our life, in our day, in our relationships, in our jobs or our whatever, there's going to be times that you're thinking to yourself, Gosh, Tessa, get it together, man. You know better than this. Like, quit being a baby. Quit being immature. Stop being fearful. Stop, you know, like we, we're the first ones, aren't we, to be critical and condemning to ourselves. And there are so many times that if we would stop in our tracks and realize, wait a minute, especially husbands and wives, let me tell you this one, where you can go to your spouse and say, man, I, I know I know better than this, but I just need you to pray over me, or I just need you to encourage me, or I just need you to tell me the truth right now, or I just need you to love me or hold me or whatever that is. Listen, lay down your pride and receive from one another. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you small. It doesn't make you lesser than. It makes you a son and daughter in the family of God. It makes you a human. God set it up this way. And now again, I don't know what this is all gonna look like when we cross over to the other side. And we're still a family. Like, I'm going to know you, Bree and Tara and Zoe. Like, I'm, I'm it's not like we're going to get to heaven and our brains are somehow replaced with something else. We are going to recognize and know and understand and love. As a matter of fact, the love and the care that we have for each other now, I believe, is going to be 
on a whole different level that we have yet to even experience. I believe it'll be that way with the Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Like, it's, it's going to be amazing. But we need one another. We need one another. We need churches. We need families. We need brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. I, th- I even think some of you in here, I think it's the key to what you've been walking through. You've been thinking, ah, me and Jesus were enough. And you are. But realistically, how's that going for you? How is that working? I believe the better way is to establish friendships and relationships in the body that you know you can trust that you know you can go to, that you know have your back, that you know that love you, that you know that believe in you. And then on the flip side of that, as you establish those relationships and you're able to glean from and learn from and receive from others in such a powerfully beautiful, God-ordained manner, who are you reaching out to? making a phone call. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how can I pray with you? Hey, I believe I have a word for you. Hey, how can I encourage you today? There should always be that in your life as well. Who are you discipling or speaking into or who's in your world that, that you've gotten your eyes off yourself and your own issues and problems and, and cares or troubles and you're able to put your eyes on others and say, ah, oh, man, if, it doesn't even matter about me. I just want to see them succeed. I just want to champion them, and I just want to bless them and sow into them. And here's the crazy thing that happens. How many of you guys know that everything in the kingdom of God is flipped upside down from the way it operates in this world, this world's manner of operation? In the kingdom of God, he says it's better, it is more blessed for you to give and serve others than it even blesses you to receive a gift or something from someone else. So what happens, and and, and this is the key. For some of us, The key is lay down that pride. Pride fights against the way God designed things in any area. Do you know what true humility is? It's not saying, oh, I'm so small and feeble and weak. True humility simply agrees with God agrees with his word. So if God said, hey, it'll bless you more in your life to give to somebody else than for you to always be receiving, agree with him. (laughs) Just simply agree. Okay, Lord, it's been all about me. I'm done with it. I'm done with it being all about me. It's not, if I lay down my pride and I'm honest, it's no fun. I'm always clawing and striving and fighting to get things and to wonder how it's going to work out and when's my spot and where's my time and how's this when actually if you got your eyes off yourself and promoted and blessed others to see them succeed I'm telling you what happens is God says ah I can trust that person 
I can trust my son or my daughter. And God, the word says, God is the one who promotes and exalts. Now, we don't do it for that reason, but it's just, I'm telling you, it's impossible when you're a person that blesses and sows and loves and champions other people and celebrates them and gives them wings to fly and is always looking for ways to make others better than yourself and to overlook mistakes and shortcomings and just love people. God says there's a law that he's put in place. It's impossible for it not to come to pass. He said he won't be mocked. Whatever we sow, we shall reap. When you are always sowing into others, and when you're saying, God, show me. Now, again, there's a balance to this. I'm not saying that, that it's everybody all the time and, you know, you're a nobody, okay? What I'm saying is God is going to show you and reveal to you people that he has put in your world, in your sphere of life that he's asking you to sow into, to bless, to encourage, to love on, to, to be a part of their success and their journey in life. And I know this is true too. So many of us, how many of us could literally say, but I'm so busy. I have so much responsibility. I don't even feel like I have time for myself. And so what am I supposed to do with that? Here's the amazing thing. So just as much as it's a command for us to work, right? To work hard. And the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. So we're supposed to work. We're supposed to put our hand to something as, you know, unto the Lord. But he also, just as much as he said to, to serve and to do, he says, rest. So it's just as much a command to have a day of rest or times of rest or seasons of rest. I'm not negating any of that. But if you're using that excuse as, well, I just, I mean, I barely have enough time for myself, so how am I going to really invest or sow into somebody else? The truth is, if you will ask the Lord, Lord, show me, like get up every day, who can I bless today? Who can I speak into their life today? Father, show me somebody today in my world that needs a smile and a hug or a word of encouragement or needs 50 bucks or needs like whatever, however that looks like for you. And here's what God does. He takes what you give and sow into somebody else. And again, it's a kingdom law, a kingdom of God law that he's put into place. He will multiply that back to you. How many of you guys have ever been like, ah, oh, I can't, I committed to something, but I'm too tired. There's been too much that's gone on this week and I just can't do it. And you say, ah, oh, yeah, but what about everybody that I'm going to serve? I think about even on a Saturday night. You know, you've had a long week. Some of you had a, had a uh, rehearsal or a filming here this afternoon. And it would have been so easy, I get it, to be like, ah, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I don't have anything. Left. And yet you said to yourself, oh, but what about the people I'm going to serve tonight? What about that one person that maybe just needs to hear the one thing that I have to say to them tonight to just change their whole perspective, to breathe hope and life back into them so you show up here? How many have experienced this? You show up, you out of just grace and truth, you minister and you serve out of the kindness of your heart and you leave so blessed, so strengthened, so encouraged yourself and you're like, 
why, why was I thinking I couldn't do that? I'm so glad I did it. How many of you can say that's happened to you? It's like he multiplies your time. He multiplies your sleep. He multiplies your rest. The kingdom of God. We can't put it in this little box and make sense of it and explain it all. In theory, it's just the kingdom of God and how he works and operates. So, I literally did not plan to say one thing I just said to you guys. That's not one thing in my notes, not at all. But I know 100% it's what the Lord wanted to talk about. Because when I was standing here and I was looking out at all of you, and I was like, I, and then Chandra had started to say the word family. I was like, that's what I saw, the family of God. And here's what's so beautiful too, and I believe the Lord is doing this. Some of you, when I, when I say this, you're going to be like, yeah, I, I sense it, I see it, I hear it, I know it. The family of God doesn't stop within this church's four walls, Right? There's a whole family out there in, all, in different countries. I've been watching Heidi Baker. I don't, how many of you guys know who Heidi Baker is? This precious little blonde chick that, like, she's tiny little petite thing, but I mean small but mighty. And she uh, is called to Mozambique, Africa, is it? And... Uh, she was even talking about, this is so cute. She was, she was getting ready to minister to a church in California, I believe it was. And she stopped and she went off on this sidebar trail about different translations in Africa, like in Mozambique and where she's at in all her regions. And she was talking about how, um, is it Wycliffe maybe that, that translates Bibles? How they had just translated a Bible in this brand, in one language there. There was like, I don't know, 25 dialects or something just in her area. And somebody camped out, went and lived in a tent in the dirt in this one region so that they could translate a Bible, the New Testament into that language for those people. And she was just saying how, you know, she can read it and it blesses her and people are getting saved now in that region because they can read the Bible themselves and it's just transforming that little village or that, that little area. And she started talking about, did they translate it like perfect, perfect according to the Greek and the Hebrew? And she's like, probably not but our lives being transformed and brought into the kingdom and saved and set free and delivered and healed because of a Bible that they can read for themselves 100%. And she would then went on this trail and she said, I said all that to say, I'm gonna read from the Passion Translation now. So, because let's face it, there's, there's some controversy and stuff in the body, in the family about, you can only read the King James. <laughs> well, I think the NIV is the best one. And then there's people who are like, oh, the passion. And they're like, you know, everything's passion, everything. And so there's, you know, there's been little tiffs and divisions and things about what translation of Bible you're going to read. And I'm, I'm bringing this up to say, as the body of Christ, as a family, God made each one of us completely different and unique on purpose. He didn't want us all to like the same thing, to hear everything the same, to sing everything the same, to love, every, to eat everything the same, to live everywhere the same, to drive everything the same, to dress the same. Isn't it weird how the sun will be like, ah, 
they don't dress like me, they're retarded. Like whatever, you know, people get, get these things in their head that they think everybody would just be fine if they were just like me. No, God on purpose created variety. Each one of you can never be replaced. There's only one of you. I don't care if you have an identical twin, they're still not you. God did that on purpose. And if somebody in this room can read the NIV translation and it just rocks your world and everything comes alive and God is speaking revelation and truth to you in a way that you're like, whoa, I never saw. Or if it's the passion translation, you're like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. I see what he's saying here. Or the, or the NIV or whatever, there's so many. And Heidi's point was, there's 25 different dialects and languages in Africa, it just in her one region, and their Bibles might all be just a little different. But can the Holy Spirit breathe on that word that was translated out of a servant's heart to stay put in their region and long enough to learn and, and write out a Bible for them? You better believe he is and will use that translation. That's just one example of the division that the enemy tries to use in the family of God, the body of Christ. Then there's, is tongues of God or is it not? Then there's, um, is, is there divine healing or is there not? Then there is, uh, do you believe in the rapture or not? Then there's, well, are you going in the first load, second load, or third load? Like, it's so weird. Like, you could, I don't care, we could go on all night about all the different things that we could all have a different opinion about. Doesn't make you wrong, it makes us different. And what I wanna say that, about this, now are there absolutes in the word of God? Absolutely, I'm not saying that. I believe firmly, it's very clear in the New Testament that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I could show you, we even have pamphlets where we could say this is what scripture says. But am I gonna, am, what, here's the question. Am I gonna allow that to separate me from my other part of my family? Let me ask that again. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and believe speaking in tongues is 100% for the life of the believer today, no exceptions. I believe it's a gift from God. It's the cherry on the top. I mean, you need it. We all need it. But if a brother or sister comes to me and is like, that thing is of the devil. I will never speak like that. That's crazy. I'm not going to allow that to to divide me from my brother or sister that believes that way. If they believe in Jesus, if Jesus is their savior and they're part of my family, I'm just telling you, it's not worth it. And I don't believe God wants anything to do with it anymore. I am watching him break down all these religious barriers, traditional barriers, um, denominational barriers. And here's another big one I wanna share with you that I think is so beautiful. I've, I grew up in church, maybe some of you didn't, but I grew up in kind of these word of faith slash Pentecostal, uh, whatever you wanna call them, churches brought by my parents. And so what happened is what I saw is a division even within your own denomination. And here's what I mean by that. 
I was even brought, I went to a Bible college, not Karis, but a different one that basically had a rule that if you were to start a church, what you do first is you check that area. And if there is a church just like yours in that area, you don't start that thing within, not even close within a 20 mile radius or you have no respect for that other pastor. Like that was a rule they made. So I think what that created was this competition, this competitive spirit that felt threatened if anybody came near your territory. Let me just tell you something. We don't got any territory. This territory is all God's. There's one territory and it's God against the devil. And if my brother or sister wants to plant their church right next door to mine because they want to take territory from the kingdom of darkness and bring people into the kingdom of light, I welcome them with open arms. Joe and I welcome them. And you know, people have even said to Joe and I, when we were getting ready to start the church, why Woodland Park? There's already like, 50 churches we're like I don't know but God just told us Woodland Park and then since we've been here there's been beautiful other churches that God has called these pastors to come and start and raise up and be right in our backyard and I'm telling you what do not give in to the lie of the enemy that how dare they start a church right there how dare they come up here and take our people? Do you, that should never, ever even be a hint on our lips. Nobody is our people. Every one of us in this room are God's people. We are his sheep and of his pasture. And so all of these divisions and these big things and little things that we've allowed to divide us or separate us or even, not even just to divide us, but I'm talking simply an attitude in our heart of superiority. Like, well, we're different because like we know everything. We got to get rid of that mess. There's no place for it. Or, you know, look at thinking that... um, because someone believes differently than you, oh, bless their stupid heart. <laughs> like we can't, there is no place for that. Matter of fact, Chandra, uh, there's these two Catholic priests that she's uh, found on YouTube. Um, one's this younger guy, probably in his 20s, and then one's this guy probably in his 50s, and this 50-year-old kind of mentored this 20-something. I'm just telling you, you listen to these two Catholic priest, so full of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, absolute anointing on them when they minister the word and the truth. And they do like probably pray to Mary too, but they're born again. They love Jesus. They preach Jesus as the only way to heaven, the only way to God. And they are precious, so full of the zeal and the love of God. You know, it can mess with your religious mind. Like, wait, what? This is a Catholic, what? God is saying, that's my son. That's my son in whom I am well pleased. How does that rank in your religious thinking right now? What? God's pleased with the religious or with the Catholic priest and they think they can't get married? That's a total lie. (laughs) Like, forget about it. All of those things that you could justify and divide and think I'm better than or they're lesser than or they just don't know it and I know everything. Enough. We, do you know that Jesus said, 
when I come for them, will I find unity? Will I find faith? Will I find a spotless bride? Will I find love reigning in my family? What he's doing, you guys, in the earth today, in his family, across all denominations and and borders, He's saying, these are my kids. I'm bringing you together. I'm unifying your hearts. I'm breaking down all those dividers and those walls so that people, the word of God says, they will know us by our love. I'm just telling you, we won't shine like we're designed and destined to if we think someone else is either better than or lesser than us because of their beliefs. If Jesus is their Lord and God is their Father, we are in the same family and we need to champion and celebrate one another. Amen? Amen. This is a family. Oh, and I promise you, there's not a Catholic section in heaven. There's not a Baptist arena. There's not going to be a Methodist circle and then a Pentecostal playground, okay? Like, we're all going to be right next door with one another, all celebrating the glory and the presence of God together for eternity. So why can't we just start now? Can we, can we make a decision? You may raise your hand tonight and you may have the whole time been thinking this chick is crazy. Yeah, you were crazy on the airport and you're crazy right now. But I'm just telling you, can you at least ask the Lord tonight to break down walls? To let go of divisions and mindsets and tradition and religion. You know, a lot of people say that word religion is just like a a set of belief systems or something. But Jesus clearly hated religion because religion, more than those that were lost, the Gentiles at that time, the religious leaders stirred up strife and division more than anybody else in his family. And Jesus wasn't going to have it. He didn't mess around, he didn't candy coat, and he did not play with those religious leaders. He, he let them know that the kingdom of God did not operate the way they did. So let's not, let's not any of us take on this superior religious um, arrogance that because some people see things differently, read a different translation than us, don't maybe have full revelation in things or maybe just completely see it differently, but they love Jesus and they're in our family. Let's break down those attitudes and those walls in our hearts. Thank you for listening. If this message blessed you, please subscribe and share this with a friend. You can tune back in next week for another great message from Freedom Church.